The Big Play Reflog Show is brought to you by ShackNews.com. Shack News is the place to be for all your gaming needs with the latest news, guides, walkthroughs, and previews. Like this week's featured article, a preview of the upcoming Marvel game Spider-Man, Miles Morales. Be sure to check Ooh. out this week's Shack Chat, where the crew discusses their favorite new Pokemon from Scarlet and Violet. And remember that you can join in on all the discussions using the Shack News Cortex. So if you're a gamer, Shack News is the site for you. Check them out on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch at the handle at Shack News and at ShackNews.com. It's time! Streaming live from Cleveland, Ohio, presenting the undefeated, undisputed heavyweight podcast of the world, The Big Play Reflog Show. Welcome to the Big Play Reflog Show. What is going on, everybody? Happy Monday. We are back, and we've got a full slate tonight. Busy show. Busy show. That's right. Let's introduce everybody. I am Big Play Dave. We've got Chris McNeil, a.k.a. Reflog. Chris, how are you, sir? Short week this week, Dave. Kind of nice, right? Got Thanksgiving. Got food on the mind, and we've got, like Nick was saying, a really big show talking to Buckeyes. I'm excited about that and talking to little Cavs. Heck it's yeah. Padone, what's happening, my man? What's going on? Fresh back from my trip to Michigan. Feeling good. Glad Ooh. to be in studio. How was that? Remember that? Who is it? Tony the Tiger from the Bengals, like, did the face paint. And then uh, after we just knocked the socks off him, he had to, like, do the walk of shame home. Yeah. Was that, like, the the drive and home from Detroit? It was a cold walk back to the car <laughs> yesterday. And there was a lot of sad Browns fans taking that same drive back from Detroit. But it was a good time. Ford Field's a really cool spot. Very cool. That's awesome. Dollar Dog Nick, by the way. We got to introduce our producer as well. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. I'm excited to talk about a good local football team tonight. Finally get a little Buckeye talk. That'll be kind of right? cool. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, we'll we'll breeze through this uh, Browns reaction, I think. Chris, what were you going to say? I, I was going to ask Nick, what was the mix of the crowd? Because for those who don't know, there was access given early to Buffalo Bills fans since it was a home game for them that was then moved to Detroit. And uh, we found out what the code was, and we sent it out to Browns fans so they could get access to tickets early in the hopes that we would have a pretty good showing up there. From what I heard, it was, what, about 30% Browns fans, 70% Bills? Is that what you saw, Nick? Yeah, probably about. I called it actually 65-35, so in the same okay. ballpark. There was a lot, a lot, a lot of Bills fans, and I think you really heard it in moments like Browns took the field. You know, there were boos, that kind of thing. The Bills scored a touchdown. There was loud cheers after a Browns touchdown, not as much so. 
Bills Mafia definitely showed up and showed out, but Chris, I think leaking that link worked because there were a lot of Browns fans down there, particularly where I was at, down uh, behind that Browns bench. There, there was a good showing of Browns fans down there. Anecdotally, I had a lot of people reach out to me saying, hey, because of the code, I was able to bring my yeah. kids. We haven't gotten to a game. So there were a lot of p- folks that made their trek up there. And uh, my, tip, my tip of the hat to all those people, because I wasn't going to make the trip because I kind of figured what was going to happen. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, there's no way I'm going. I know they're going to disappoint. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, I definitely knew the outcome too. I had a feeling, but at the same time, opportunity to see Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs in a legal gambling state, couldn't pass it up, especially, you, you know, surrounded by other Browns fans right there behind the bench. It was a good time. I'm, I'm glad vacation I did in Detroit. <laughs> One day, it was like a six hour vacation, probably. We, we got there and we left. Like, we went to the, we, yeah. it was no shenanigans. We parked by, the stadium we walked to the stadium we attended the game we walked back to the car and we were out no restaurants yeah nothing straight to the game all business baby all All business business. all right we'll talk a little bit more about that but let's kick it off because we're doing cleveland headlines and then we're getting ready for that ohio state michigan game this friday with buckeye legends plural bobby carpenter and the Granville gunslinger, Scotty McMullen, presented by Labatt. And then we're going to bring on another interview because we have to talk Cavs yeah. as they are winning tonight. Our second featured interview on the Labatt line is Daniel Booby Gibson. Booby! Ah. I cannot wait I've been to work- talk to Booby. I've been working on this one for a very, very long time, so I'm excited to see it happen. Yeah, that'll be great. And after that, we'll get into some bets because we've got Tom Brady versus our Browns coming up. Look at those over-unders and a whole lot more. Let's kick it off with our Cleveland headlines. All right, Cleveland headlines brought to you by TSE. Oh, Dollar Dog, I forgot to do another giveaway. (laughs) Remind me next week. TSE.com, TSEcleveland.com. Go check them out. Signed Browns memorabilia. All right, uh, another disappointing... (laughs) Browns game losing to the Bills 31-23. Chris, I want to ask you this. What what stage of Browns fandom are we currently in? This is not the Cavs funometer. This is anger, grief, apathy, depression, whatever you want. I'm not, I'm not quite to apathy. Really? You know, I have to watch, no, not quite. I, I still care. Dave, I still care enough to watch. And there was at least a small part of me that thought about going up to Detroit yesterday. Of course, that did not happen. But I, I still care, and I still care enough to watch. But it's getting close week by week, man. It's getting rougher and rougher. Did you psych I mean, yourself you in at it, to thinking you are going to win? Really, what was that, Dave? Did you psych yourself into actually thinking we, w- we had a chance in that game? Because I did. No, I, I didn't. All right, good for you. I remember on the show last week, I called the Browns loss, and that was the first time all year that I'd let myself do yes. that. And I called the loss. They did lose. So thanks for that, Browns, for making me look <laughs> yeah, good. Good work. But, you know, the Browns are really only six things away. I mean, I looked at the game, and, and if you break it down, there's really only six things that this team needs to do. We got a six-step plan? That's right. Okay. Better offense, better defense, better special teams, better coaching, better front office, better ownership. As soon as you solve those six things, Dave, we've got ourselves a team. I feel like we should put that on a t-shirt. It's a start. <laughs> That's it. Are you sure it's only six? Browns. That's it. Okay. Six-step plan. Which, That's Chris, right. if you could pick one to fix, which would it be? 
boy, a lot of people are calling for Stefanski's head today. Isn't that At the least truth? Joe Woods. At least Joe Woods and a lot of people for Stefanski as well. I don't know. I got to see what he does with Watson. I think that was the yeah. intent here. So you got to play it out. I don't know if firing him right now really helps anything. They're going right? to give him another year. Yeah, yeah. You can't. Yeah. You're going to at least give him another year. And I yep. think that's probably the rational thing to do. But boy, the irrational part of me just says, fire them all. Or at, at least, least if you could go out and get a new D coordinator. <laughs> I think that's in, the plan. Yeah. I After think- this season, you go out, get a new D coordinator, implement. Something that the players understand, yeah. Because clearly, no one's on the same page. If you How watch about those, some of those pr- comments, dude, that is weird. Yeah, week eleven, it's really going bad. Into week 12. It's really bad, and it's really similar to what we saw at the end of last year, where guys were kind of taking shots at Baker. Stefanski was exchanging shots. Now we got Stefanski and Miles Garrett kind of going toe to toe, and Miles saying that he doesn't know what's going on. That we're not, you know, we're wasting the primes of players' careers. And Stefanski says that's Miles' opinion, and we're going to talk with them internally. Every and we're, every defensive player, though, it's it's really really ugly right now, and the offense is so good, and that's what makes makes me wonder like okay Deshaun Watson coming back is going to help because it's going to make them that much more efficient in the red zone and you would think they could just score that much more points but Jacoby's been really really good it's just everything else they find a way to lose so isn't he the sixth best quarterback in the league it's so wild I think anybody that wants to see Stefanski fired right now just wants to see blood and I think the rational thing to do is you know Joe Woods knows he's keeping somebody else somebody else's seat hot right now and he's going to be gone and they're going to run it back with Stefanski next year. You have to, because if, if you walk away from him here, where do you go? Yeah. You, th- that won't help anything. No. Even firing Joe Woods this year doesn't help anything. You don't have anyone to replace him. Nobody on the defense have, has ever called defensive plays before. You would be okay. exactly like yeah. the Colts with Jeff Saturday. What's Greg Williams doing? Oh, come on. No, we're not wow. doing this. No. No. We're not doing this. Every single time. We have to do something. Here's a crazy stat that Dollar Dog Nick pulled. It says, opposing offenses have scored on 17 of the last 21 drives against the Browns. Nine touchdowns, eight field goals, only two punts, and only two turnovers on downs. That's fireable. That's all. What else? Seventeen of twenty-one. They score. It's fireable. It that's, is. That's it, bad. And and the players think it's time as well. And I do think that Kevin Stefanski's greatest flaw right now is keeping Joe Woods employed as a part of that payroll because the guys have clearly given up. You had Grant Delpit saying that he doesn't know what's going on. You had an anonymous players talking to the Athletic. Here we are, boys. It's the end of November. <laughs> we didn't even make it to Thanksgiving, and we got guys going to Jason Lloyd saying that what he is calling isn't. Worth working and they're not adjusting. So, All right, so if you're Kevin Stefanski, what do you do? I think you I think in you can't lo- here's what really I do. put you on the spot. Here's there. what I do. You cannot risk losing this locker room right now with these talented players because of Joe Woods. Sure. You just can't. You have Miles Garrett in his prime. You have Denzel Ward in his prime. If that's what they want, and it seems like that's what a majority of the guys on that side of the ball want, you have to just get rid of them. The season's a wash regardless. Don't tell that to the players. Players will never tell you, oh, it's just a wasted season, and that was a horrible miscalculation by the Browns going into the year. But what's done is done. The season is over, and you got to at least let these guys know that you still care and that there's still a positive outlook with new leadership going forward when Deshaun Watson takes that field December 4th. 
forth. So I think what you have to do is just get rid of Joe Woods, let one of the most popular strength and conditioning coaches call defensive plays, and hopefully the guys get up to play for these games on Sunday. I mean, I guess it can't get worse. It can't. It can't. I mean, yeah. read that stat again. It cannot get worse. 17 of 21, they score. Fireable. That's bad. That the is Bills bad. scored on each of their last seven. Awful. Absolutely awful. All right, let's move on to something not as awful. The Cavs, because they are starting to rebound. Um, bounce back after the rough road trip, winning the last two. We were watching the Atlanta game here. I think still in it, still up. Yeah, still up, still up. Okay, Chris, how much yeah. stock are you putting into these these games? Is this we're just going through the motions, still enjoying it? But yeah, 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 and it's it's NBA regular season in November right now. So this team is still gelling. You know, we've had some players out. Uh, you know, you have Garland coming back into the fold, looking good, by the way. Um, coming back into the fold. And and we still got some players out. You got Love dinged up, and uh, we're still waiting on Rubio. So, you know, it's going to be fun to see this team kind of mesh, kind of gel, and uh, win some games along the way. They're, they're fun. You know, we keep talking about it. They're yeah. fun. And, and they're, they're very Donovan fun. Mitchell is unbelvable, by the way. Yeah. They're Just, I mean, everybody knows that. That's not exactly breaking <laughs> news. But watching some of his moves, man, it just – it's amazing how quick he is. And I, I think that how young the team is, when they play at home, you can tell yeah, they're different. pumped. Yeah. Nine and two yeah. at home versus, I mean, the West Coast, that's a bit of an outlier because they just looked pretty <laughs> lethargic. But nine and, nine and two at home, that is that is impressive. It really is. And and those games are crazy. That, that's the craziest that I've heard that place in a long time, including the 2018 Cavs with LeBron and Kevin Love, you know, in Cleveland. It's definitely a different vibe around that organization right now. And the players, it's it's like it, it truly is the anti-Browns. Those guys are completely bought in. They The next man up mentality, you know, we they see some guys. They even stole the dog go, mentality from the Browns. They really did. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look at Lamar Stevens, like his is a starter right now. The dude yeah. is an undrafted free agent out of the Big Ten, out of Penn State, and he is absolutely balling on both sides of the floor. It's exactly what the Cavs needed. So they have completely stolen the identity from the Browns, and, it, and it's working, and it's a really good thing. And you look at the only other teams in the East that are really good, like Boston. Yeah, they're really they good. They have three losses. Two of them to us. That's insane. So good start. You Cavs. look at Philly; they're without Maxi. They're without Embiid. You look at the Nets. Who knows if Kyrie is going to come back and when? It, it, it's a positive outlook if you're a Cavs fan right now. That it is another positive outlook. We got two top teams going at it after Turkey Day. Let's get Can't into wait. our featured interviews of the week. Starting Buckeyes. Let's do it. Oh yeah, Dollar Dog. <laughs> All right, live on – oh, it's on loop. Let's go, baby. We can turn that off for next time. Live on the Labatt line, we have a rare double interview with Ohio State Buckeye legends Bobby Carpenter and the Granville gunslinger Scotty McMullen, friends of show, coming back. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Great. How are we doing, boys? We are, we are doing fantastic. There he is. Look at that sweatshirt. Fresh out, fresh out the homage, uh, homage rack. That's right. Solid D huh? there. <laughs> Looking good. How have you been, man? Good, good. How about you? Good. We're just uh, we're getting ready for this Buckeyes game. 
We haven't talked nearly uh, enough Buckeyes. Can't wait. Heck yeah. So, yeah, both teams struggled a little bit last Saturday, if you watch both those games. Um, do, do you think that's a little looking ahead, or is it more kind of a, a story of where these teams are? I think I think it's looking ahead. I mean, you know, yeah. you're playing rich teams. Uh, you know, you got the biggest game of the season. Both teams are undefeated. Um, you know, it's real easy to, to be in a look-ahead spot and, uh, you know, not not really be that excited for those games. And then, you know, next thing you know, like what happened Saturday, you're, next thing you know, you're in a dogfight. So uh, I'm glad both teams kind of pulled it out. So, you know, we're going to this game undefeated. And by the way, did we did we big time Bobby's like he just in the green room right now? Bobby, are you there as well? Yeah, I'm just hanging out, man. I'm ready to go. <laughs> there he is. What's what's going on? How are you, sir? Uh, not much, man. I'm good. I just enjoy listening to my man Scotty Mack break this thing down. So it's it's all good with me. Heck yeah. Did you, when you guys were playing, you know, talking about looking ahead a little bit, did you guys ever have an opponent where, obviously the Michigan game is a big one, right? But did you ever have an opponent where you maybe look past them a little bit, like maybe what we saw this past week? Oh, goodness. I mean, I think I was always Indiana when we were in school. And then for a while, Indiana got better. But, you know, it was always a joke. The coach would tell, tell us to take them seriously. But the reality was that like, there was such a massive – talent disparity we always played them at noon whether it's at home or over there so there really wasn't like the same juice like maryland has some nfl players so especially on the perimeter so they could hurt them and i figured coming into this game this would probably be the best like skill position players that ohio state would face uh until they played uh michigan and then for michigan like illinois they were basically looking at a mirror image of themselves of how they play, physical, tough, run the football, like all those things Wisconsin did when we were in school, and that's what Brett Bielema has brought uh, to Illinois. So, you know, I think both of the teams, like, you've got 11-0 on the, on, right on in front of you, and you've got the biggest game of probably the week, of the weekend and one of the biggest games of the year in college football now. So, yeah, I mean, it's easy to, to look past that. And I think I got a stat from Jack Park. This will be the fifth time that both teams will enter unbeaten or untied. I think this is the 11th all-time matchup between Ohio State and Michigan. This will be the 12th where they're two top five teams and only one time has the road team won. So home field, I think, plays a big role in this game. Hey, Bobby, we're getting a little bit of feedback from your microphone. Um, just there's a little static, so I don't I don't know. Maybe unplug it and plug it back in. Let's see if... Typical IT guy there. <laughs> <laughs> we want to hear that songbird voice. That's right. That's right. There we go. Soothing. <laughs> uh, now we can't uh, hear you. I can't hear him at I all. I just messed up everything. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> well done, Dave. How about that? There that we better? go. There we go. Oh, we're cooking with gas. Sound like Barry White. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's. I don't know if I've ever been equated to that, but I'll do whatever I can. <laughs> Nick, go ahead. <laughs> so when you look ahead to this game, I think the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to, guys, is to see how C.J. Stroud kind of bounces back. I, I think it would be fair to say that that was one of his toughest games of last season. How do you guys think the Buckeyes offensively are going to fare in this matchup? Well, yeah, I'll sit there as I look at this, and Scott could be able to talk more to it. I mean, last year – you know, he was under pressure a ton in yeah. that game. They didn't do a very good job up front. They couldn't necessarily run the football. And so when you can't run it and you're struggling to pass block because they can, all they can do is tee off on you, you're going to see a lot of blitzing. You're going to see a lot of different coverages. And so this year, 
Ohio State, I feel like the offensive line is probably better equipped. I don't know if Michigan's quite as good up front. And then also, I, I do believe there was a concerted effort by Ryan all season long to make sure that they can run it. Maybe they found the solution, you know, in this final game with Dallin Hayden, you know, with him being, you know, healthy and being able to hit the hole and looking pretty good in that fourth quarter in the final drive. So that'll open it up. But I mean, Scott can talk about, you know, how tough it is to play in this game if, if you can only do one thing and that one thing is throw the football. Oh yeah, yeah. If you if you turn into one dimensional, you're uh you know, your back's against the wall. My my senior year, um, you know, I kind of played uh, third, fourth quarter. And uh, there, there at the end of the game, I mean, they, you know, we were down two scores. They knew that we were throwing. Uh, so, you know, and it was at Michigan. So it made it made it a very, very tough, uh, very tough situation to play in. Um, you know, they're just, you know, got their ears pinned back and they're just bringing it every single play. Yes. Uh, Scott, for you, think, as, for you as a former quarterback, how big of a difference is that, you know, getting able to play this game in the shoe versus, you know, in kind of hostile territory like what we saw last year after COVID in Michigan, those fans were ready to get after it. Uh, it it's a huge difference. So my senior year, it's, uh, you know, it's, I think, 28-14. It's late in the third quarter. Uh, Krenzel takes a, a heck of a shot in the end zone. Um, you know, all of a sudden he comes up holding his shoulder. Um, he goes out, you know, it's one of those, uh, you know, McMullen, grab your helmet. So, you know, I, I got running in there, you know, we, um, you know, we, we, our drive starts and I think it was like the, the five yard line, you know, and this is late in the third quarter. I've been standing there for two and a half hours. Um, and then you got the Michigan student section right, right behind you. Um, you know, just, just hostile hounding you yelling, um, actually, it was the first two drives I was in. We started about the five, six yard line. So it makes a huge, huge difference, um, you know, being at home. That's going to be a huge, uh, huge factor for High State this weekend. Do your instincts kind of take over when they say, McMullen, it's your turn to go in and you're grabbing your helmet, you're just getting out there? What What's that thought process when you're in that huge rivalry game, you're in their house, and then your number gets called? Um, I, I mean, the thing is being a backup, you're, you're always on edge. I mean, you're literally, uh, you know, you really are one play away. Um, you know, every time Craig gets hit, it's like, you know, is he going to get up? Is he okay? Do I have to start stretching? Um, you know, luckily at the time, you, you know, you're young, you're 20, 22 years old. So, it's, you know, you really don't have to stretch that much as you do, you know, now that I'm 42. Uh, <laughs> I feel but, you on that. You really do have to always be prepared, um, you know, mentally prepared, uh, just always be in the game. And it's hard because you never know, you know, if this is the play you're going to go in. Uh, you know, you might not play for six games, and then all of a sudden you might have to play second half, um, a whole game. You just, you just really don't know. For both of you guys, is there anything particular about this week that you guys remember during your playing time that really sticks with you from the Michigan week? Um, I think for me, it was always. Uh, oh, we got the uh, static back. Oh boy! Oh, <laughs> Why don't we start with Scotty? Uh, so, you, so you got a couple big things this week. Uh, you know, you you got Sunday night. Um, you got Earl Bruce coming in. Uh, he's giving his his pep talk to the team. Yeah. Um, you know, that's always a, a really big, fiery, uh, intense uh, talk that he gives. Um, and then they actually, they bring in the band. So you actually get to go out in the uh, indoor practice field and, uh, you know, play some instruments with the band. That, that's actually pretty neat too. Uh, those are two big highlights. 
and then everybody yeah, for me, read, read um, it. You know, for me, I think uh, is that better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good again. All right, I don't know what the heck's going on, but you know, for <laughs> me, um, I think it was always listening to you know, the band Sunday night. But then we would always have Earl Bruce come in, yeah. and you know, it's something special when you have a guy like Earl Bruce, who to me he's the triple threat. I mean, he played at Ohio State under Wes Fessler, he coached there under Woody, and then he ultimately becomes a head coach himself. Like, there's nobody that loved Ohio State football more than Earl Bruce. And so he used to get up there. And Scott will tell you, when Tress got there, they brought him in every year. And then I even talked to Urban, because Urban coached on him. like, you going to bring in Earl Bruce? And he's like, what do you mean? I go, Tress has bringing him in, been bringing him in here for a decade. Like, and he sits up there, and he, you'd be in the first couple rows. Mm-hmm. You know, Scott can talk about his senior year. You know, he's just spitting all over. He's like, let me tell you something, buddy. These guys are <laughs> tough. They're mean. And just starts going off like, if you beat Michigan, you can walk high street with your chest held high. But if not, you've got to walk the back alleys. And, like, he would just sit there and talk about the to- – I mean, it was supposed to be like a five- to ten-minute talk. I mean, Tress would have to, like, clap him off, give him the cane, and get him out of there after about 30 minutes because he would just start ranting and raving about if you lose to Michigan three times, they should fire your ass. And I lost to Michigan three times, and they fired my ass, and I was a damn good football coach. But you know what? That's how the rule. That's how it works. And I mean, he, he was just so passionate. And so I remember seeing that in my first couple of years. I'm like, man, this guy's gonna get up there and talk forever. But by the end, you begin to be playing the game a couple of times, and you realize, you know, what he brings to the table and how much it means to him. Like, man, if everybody cared about it as much as this guy, we win every time. And so that's what you try to emulate, and that's why I think it's the importance, the connectivity between current players, former players, former coaches, people that have been around it because that's such a big piece of understanding how important this rivalry ultimately is. So, Bobby, who should we have come in and talk to the Browns? Not to go off the Buckeyes for a sec, but we need some motivation. Help us out. Who should we bring in? Oh, my gosh. I mean, you got a lot of guys that are already up there. I mean, I don't know. I mean, is Brian Sipe still around? They were totally at kids. There we I mean, go. Jim Brown, Jim Brown can go arm wrestle those dudes. He looks like he can still about <laughs> half play. I mean, you know, 75 years old or whatever he is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, someone like that, man, who's, who's been through it. I mean, trying to find a way to win, figure that darn thing out. I'll tell you this, like, there, there's been a lack of effort on the defensive side of the ball. I was watching some of those games. Like, it just – it was a little concerning to me because it seemed like some of the guys maybe weren't – and I know these guys are banged up, but it didn't seem like they were fully vested. And I'm going to try to get up to the game this weekend, but it just uh, – it didn't seem like maybe they were all in. And that's that's always concerning – when you have a coach like Kevin Stefanski, who's an answers guy, he's not a natural motivator. And so if guys aren't motivated, I don't know the lever that he has to pull to be able to get them there. Oof. I'll tell you what, they were motivated when they played the Bengals because I went to that game. <laughs> yeah, Bengals. right? Yeah. Scott, yeah, you're, no, you're a Bengals fan, aren't you? I am. Yeah, yeah I remember that from last time. Yeah, that was actually part of my birthday present. So, uh, you know, it was fun being there, good experience, but – you know, I, I'm just kind of sitting there and, uh, you know, watching the Browns fans get rowdy, which, you know. <laughs> we do twice a, a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just happened to be one of the times I was up there. So, Yeah, Bobby, not, I mean, not to keep going back on the Browns and bringing this down because we do have a giant game coming up. But, like, if, you, if you're a defensive player, like, when you were playing and you saw the lackluster effort from your fellow defensive players, like, what would you do as a player on the field? Well, you know, I think it obviously depends on kind of your role on the team and where you're at and, you know, your seniority. 
and what kind of personality you have. I mean, if you're a guy that's vocal, at that point you've got to say something. I think the problem with the Browns is, you know, you've got Miles Garrett up there, who best player on the defense, one of the best players in the league, super tenured, um, but he's not really the most demonstrative guy, at least from what I've seen. And so it's hard. You have to be able to have those guys. And sometimes, you know, when you lose players and, you know, whether it's, you know, Juice Landry, it's like sometimes guys, and the thing is in the NFL, there's not a lot of mid-level veterans. Yeah, is Jarvis Landry what he was five years ago? No, but he means more to your locker room than just stats because he's a guy who puts it out, puts it out every day. So he's above reproach. And then he also isn't afraid to call out guys. And you know what? He'll also call as he sees it and probably talk to coaches when he needs to because he's also showing up every day. So he has the ability to ultimately do that. And so that's I always try to kind of put myself in that situation where if something needed to be said, you would say something. But the only way you could do that is if you were somebody who was in there each and every day, you know, first in, last out, playing through injuries, doing all of those things. And you have to be contributing. If you're not one of those guys, then it's really tough to even get in there and say something because you know, you don't have the platform that you would otherwise. Absolutely. You know, I, I want to bring us back to Ohio State. We Please gotta, do. I we, don't know why. We got to pump us up a little <laughs> bit because we could do the Browns funeral for the rest of the show if we really wanted to. Browns talk is depressing, guys. I it is. It really. is. It is. And we and we do plenty of it here. So when we look at this game, Ohio State, Michigan, the Buckeyes are seven and a half point favorites right now. You think that it could be that close? I know sometimes, you know, when you get in these rivalry weekend games, those spreads start to shrink a little bit. We've seen Ohio State be double-digit favorites pretty much every single week. Do you think it's going to be close here on sun- on Saturday, rather? I think it definitely has potential to be close. Uh, you know, I, I think Michigan's going to come in fired up. Uh, you know, this is, this is a, a really good opportunity for them. Um, you know, they got a good team this year. Um, and I, 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 could, I, I could see it as definitely a close game. That's for sure. Um, so I, I would not be surprised at all. Yeah, I would look at this. I mean, I think it'll be a one score game into the fourth quarter. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Ohio state ultimately wins by 10 or 14, um, and maybe pulls away, maybe gets extra score late, but I, I don't think that this is going to be something where at halftime guys, you're feeling good. You're starting to click around to other games. You're scheduling your trip to Indy. And probably your trip to the CFP. Like it, this is something where Michigan's a good football team now. I mean, they're ranked, you know, third in the nation for a reason. They're not some, you know, right. five and sixteen that's cruising in here. Like they beat Ohio State last year. They're going to be heavily confident, and I think it's going to take not only you know really a, a well played game by Ohio State, but a lot of energy from the fans. So we'll see. Hopefully that home field will you know come into play. I, I think I would ultimately have them winning by ten or thirteen. I think they cover. But I, I think it's probably more of a late cover and not something where you're riding three scores out most of the game. Wow. Were, were your guys' nerves higher in, in playing a home game or going to the big house? Where, where were the nerves, high, nerves higher for you guys? I, w- I would say uh, I would say probably in Columbus. Um, yeah. You know, playing in playing in front of your your crowd. Uh, you know, you always want to play well in front of the home crowd. Um, you know, Michigan fans. I don't really, I don't care. What, <laughs> being a local guy, you know, I got a lot of people watching up in the stands. So, you know, I, I could care less what Michigan thinks. Yeah, I mean, I don't have to echo Scott with that, especially your senior year. I mean, when you have senior day, your parents are there. You have a ton of family, and it's a heavily emotional day. So. 
I talked to a lot of the, the older guys, you know, before Indiana, I go, man, get a glimpse at the stadium when you run out. Cause next week will be your last time. I'm gonna be honest with you. You're not going to remember any of it. You'll be very emotional. Cause it seems when you get there, you're going to be in this place forever. You're going to run out of this tunnel a hundred times. And then all of a sudden you're staring your last time in the face. And on top of that, you're playing an elite rival and with, you know, all of your goals are sitting here on the line. So I do believe that, especially for the seniors, I don't know if I call it, you know, nervous, you know, but there, there definitely is a heightened level of responsibility that you feel playing in, you know, in the horseshoe, playing in front of your friends and family. I got one last question for you, Bobby, specifically, you know, last year, when you look at this game, the Buckeyes pretty much got bullied, you know, up and down the field. How different is the Jim Knowles effect going into this game against Michigan? Well, you know, I heard a saying this week. It said, you know, bullies win in football. And I know that we live in a society where we don't want to bully anybody. But on a football field, I believe that to be a good thing. Yes. And I, I think the defense is a lot more physical. Ryan has made an emphasis on that. They've you know, been battling with each other a lot during camp and even some during the week during practice. Um, you look at how well the linebackers with Eichenberg and Chambers are playing. Tommy and Steele have done a great job. They'll bring in Cody Simon. Look at the guys up front, Teron Vincent, what he's been able to do. Um, and then, you know, the ends, I mean, Zach Harrison's played really well, made some huge plays. Uh, Jack Sawyer, JT, Tui Maloa, like these guys, they get it. Mike Hall's in there. I mean, these guys get it, and especially the Ohio guys, and they've been around it. And, like, it was embarrassing what happened last year. It gets one thing to lose a game, but it's another thing to just have, you know, the ball beat down your throat all the way down the field. And so, I mean, Tommy's playing with two broken hands, for heaven's sake. Like, the dude is a tough son of a gun. Yeah. So I, I think that there's another – there's an element this year that didn't exist last year with this team, and it's something that they made a conscious effort to be able to have this year. All right, final question for both of you guys. Favorite dish for Thanksgiving coming up on Thursday. Bobby, <laughs> which is your favorite? Oh, goodness, man. I love a good – on the spot. Uh, I love a good green bean casserole. I know that might sound kind of weird. I only eat it really on like Christmas, Easter, and Thanksgiving. But, you know, I love green beans. I love the little bacon and onion crumbles on top and a little cream of mushroom in there. I mean, outside of the turkey, that's probably my number one go-to for the savory sides outside of the sweets. Scotty, what do you got? (laughs) I I tell you, I'm a little untraditional. I mean, I, I, I always like to go for some good chicken wings. Um, oh, there you, yeah. go. Wow. there you go. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not too upset if my mom cooks at a Giorno pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Always the wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so, do, do you go turkey? Or no turkey? I do, I do eat turkeys, mashed potatoes. The okay. Old traditional Thanksgiving meal. Do you like deviled eggs? Do you like that? Oh, yeah. Had some good uh, friends giving the other night with some candied bacon, uh, deviled mm. eggs. Very good. Wow. Yeah. Man, I might go chicken wings before the turkey dinner. That That's sounds crazy. awesome. Chicken wings and DiGiorno. There you go. <laughs> Thanksgiving of champions right there. Go. Uh, that's how you beat Michigan. <laughs> that's how you beat Michigan. That's right. Well, guys, we greatly appreciate the time. Uh, Bobby, we were, we were watching your YouTube uh, this week. What tell tell everyone what's what's going on with that? That was a uh, very interesting to watch. Well, thank you, man. I got uh, it's, you know, Carbs Corner. It's my YouTube channel there, yeah. so we're putting stuff out usually two or three times. I'm getting ready to drop my Maryland post game. I'll have a midweek kind of mailbag answer questions, and then Friday I'll put out you know all of your uh, pregame prep that you're going to need for the upcoming game. And I've got some really good stuff and some stats about the Michigan game and what I think Ohio State needs to do, and then historical data about. Uh, 
what they uh, how this game usually plays out as well. Awesome, very cool. Yeah, go ch- go check that out, everyone. That is uh, that's a, the cool cool little show going on there. Um, all right, go Bucks, go Bucks. Thank you guys. Go Bucks. Thanks, Scotty. Thanks, Bobby. All right. Good. All right, round of applause for the Granville Gunslinger and Bobby Carpenter. You ready to run it back? Second interview? Second interview. Let me stretch it out. Let me have a sip of a bet. Dollar Dog Nick is sweating. Oh, yeah, he is. He's all over the place tonight. Here we go. I I was toggling between things, changing titles. It was a mess. (laughs) Hey, that's all right. That's all right. We made it through. It is time for yet another interview. Do you need a breather? Or are we going right into it? Okay, let's let's get it. Run the title back. Get his pump back up. All right, we are back on the Labat line. Hard cutoff. We have. Cavalier fan favorite, one of our favorite players of all time watching the Cavs growing up. It is Daniel Booby Gibson. Booby, what's up, man? How are you? What's going on, man? How you guys doing? Can you hear me? Can y'all hear me okay? You are loud and clear, my friend. Got you. I'm in I'm in this hotel room, so I wasn't sure about the uh reception. <laughs> Appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, the Wi-Fi is working. <laughs> Booby, I want to pick things up with you where we la- left the last interview off. The greatest Thanksgiving side dish of all time. What is it? Let's hear it. Wow. Oh, wow. Jump right in. Um, I got to go with my mom's dressing. She do this little thing that moms do. I think she just sprinkle a lot of love on it, but it ain't a real Thanksgiving if I don't have it. So I'm even. I'm trying to have her find a way to ship me some to Cleveland because I can't get to Houston, but I'm, I'm going with dressing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Appreciate you jumping right in. So what's going on, man? Obviously, you know, we know that you are working as part of our Cavs organization with the Cleveland Charge. How's that been? What's that experience been like for you? Man, it's been special, man. It's been special. So kind of how I got to this point, I have my, my AAU teams in Houston. And so after the pandemic, I was spending a lot of time with the guys and I was seeing a lot of growth. But I always wanted to get back in that Cleveland mix. I always wanted to still find a way to be a part of that program. And coach saw me at the at the combine, asked me to come join the staff, and just being able to work with the guys and just see the the look in their eye, where like they respect what you've done, and they want to get to where to where I was at one point in my career. And so they really listen, man. They be tuned in, and to see them take some of the stuff I teach them and put it out there on the floor. It's the, it's the best feeling ever. So I'm doing a Oh, maybe we oh, were no. too quick on that Wi-Fi. Yeah. Oh, he's back. There go. He's back. Yeah, no, I had, I had a phone call come. Oh. <laughs> Did you have a coach like that, you know, when, when you were kind of coming up, whether it was, you know, growing up or playing at Texas or here with the Cavs that you kind of really cling to and kind of helped develop you along the way? Yeah, um, I owe a lot of my success in my NBA career to Chris Gent. Chris Gent, oh, um, he kept me ready at all times. He still felt like he could shoot. So competing with him, <laughs> shooting every day, um, getting in the gym with me. Like, I'm I'm a gym rat. So, I mean, I'm trying to get in the gym all hours of the night. He, anytime I would call him, he would come to the gym with me. 
And I trusted his opinion on shooting because he could really shoot the ball. Yeah. Him between him and Lloyd Pierce, those were two guys that I feel like were the reason why I had, you know, a strong, a good career and the reason why I was successful in the league because those guys kept me prepared and ready. Chris Gent is another famous Buckeye as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, there we go. There we go. All right, yeah. let's working in the Michigan Buckeye. <laughs> got to work it in in every interview. Let's rewind. I, love, I, got, I got some love for the Buckeyes. Okay, okay. Let's rewind 15 years, 2007. I I cannot believe that was 15 yeah, years geez. ago. How right. fun was that 2007 run with the Cavs? Man, still, still my favorite year, favorite game of all time. It's just – the camaraderie of that team, and I think it just being my first year. I was 19 years old, so wow. coming in, I just I didn't really know what to expect. And sometimes that's a good thing because you just go out there and just and just play. And like those guys embraced me with open arms, and just the way we played as a team. I mean, obviously we had the greatest player of all time, but he, his his energy and the way he is as a person kind of was infectious throughout the team, man. We had a good time playing together, and uh, we made a lot, a lot of great memories um, for those Cleveland fans. And I'm still – that's pretty much why I'm here today from that <laughs> from that year. It's just a bond that we shared, and I just never wanted to break it. So the goal is to be a, a Cavalier for life. Booby, we were we were in the bar watching that run game five that LeBron went on, just covered in beer, just uh, throwing it everywhere. What was what was that like for you as being such a young player watching LeBron go off like that? I actually filed out that game, so I got a good seat um, <laughs> to watch <laughs> to watch the rest of it. But man, in that moment, I grew up Michael Jordan fan. Mm -hmm. um, thinking that there would nobody ever be close to Michael Jordan. And then I'm watching him play, and I'm just like, I was wrong. <laughs> like, I had never saw somebody with a game plan, with a, a team that had game plan for him, and they tried every defense possible to try to change, to try to stop him, and they could not do nothing. They tried every player they had on that team tried to guard him, and nobody could do nothing. I, had, I never saw anything like it and it's such a pivotal game like that's a role game that like nobody really expects you to win and so for him to do that it was just it was unbelievable to, to, to be a part of I know you you know you mentioned a couple of times now that LeBron you know being the GOAT and that whole argument grew up a Jordan fan is that game watching it from the bench kind of where things flipped in your head yep that's it. That's that was the moment, and and because it was so it was so early, and he was so young. Obviously, yeah. everything he's continued to do with the consistency for me just kind of like stamps it as like just him being an all around player. You know, when I think about Mike, I just say greatest greatest score ever, probably you know one of the best winners ever. Yeah. But like when I just think about like all the, everything, rebounding, passing, scoring, like leadership, I just feel like he made. So many, like me. I mean, he got me another NBA contract just playing with him. Like, he made so many guys so much better just by his talent and ability to pass and ability to take over games. Like, yeah, that was the moment for me where I was like, yeah. Um, I know a lot of people hate that argument because they like to roll with Mike, but I'm rolling with I'm rolling with Bron. Our best three point shooter on those teams: Booby Gibson, Danielle Marshall, or Damon Jones. You can, stop. you can stop. You can just stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> First name you said, I'm rolling. I'm rolling with myself because I mean we had shootouts, you know, in practice. Oh, yeah. D. Jones would probably tell you something different because he likes to <laughs> embellish and tell stories. But 
we would have even as a rookie we would have like shooting contests or different drills we would do and i was trying my best to get a spot on that floor so i wasn't trying i'm the first three-pointer I'm, I'm i got in the game mike brown um sells me in against toronto i shoot a three and i miss it and um i'm thinking that he gonna give me like you know support and encouragement he like if you shoot it you better make it i'm like oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> this nba thing is a little different but what i did right after that is I go right back to the same spot. It was a worse shot. The defense was closer than they were the first time. But I was like, I got to prove to the coach that I, that, I, that I belong out here. So I just raised right up and shot it again. And it went in. I was like, like that, coach. And from that point on, he kind of got – he he developed that trust in me. But to answer your question, yeah, I got them guys in the gym a few times. And I, uh, they won a few, but I won the most. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously with this current Cavs group right now I know you're so involved and I don't know how much you're able to watch every night you know coaching on the road with the charge and everything every like that what do you see from this guard play man because it's got to be so cool for you as a former guard that would shoot the hell out of the basketball watching Darius Garland Donovan Mitchell on a nightly basis it is crazy special special that's all I can say special I like to call D, DG DG 2.0 because he like he he shoots the ball better than me and he handles it better than me and he, but he got that smile and that magnetic energy when he's on the floor so he just man he's it's incredible just the way he shoots the ball and then you add a guy like Donovan who I mean he's a budding budding superstar in the league who can shoot the laces off the ball so like you put those guys together and I think it's just a beautiful thing to see them both kind of start off being a little too unselfish like trying to get the other guy to rock but then now realizing that no nah, we both can we can share the load and we can still be effective and, and change games and I just think those guys are awesome playing together and Cleveland is lucky to have like that four if you want to add Jared and, and Evan and those guys to have those guys for a long time to come so the city deserves it and it's going to be a fun you know next few years for these guys just to watch these guys grow heck yeah you know, Cleveland's so known as like a football town first, but you saw it when the Cavs are good and they're good once again. Talk about what the fans are like in this town and what this arena is like when the Cavs are rolling. People, I mean, you can say I'm a little biased, but I'm really not. Like, I, I will be honest, I played in a lot. I played in every arena. And but outside of maybe Oklahoma City, you don't really get that 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 sports town energy that you get with the Cavs. Like they really care about their team and they really support their team, win, lose, or draw. And so that that arena like gives you an added advantage. It gives you some added energy when you're out there on the floor because you could tell like now they expect you to win. So the energy in the building is even even bigger and, and magnified. So I feel like we got the best fans in the world. And um, I just think now we got a team out there that can showcase that. And it's going to continue to be harder and harder for teams to win in that building because the fans show up and they show out every single game. You touched I mean, on we it. Lost, we lost maybe 20 games in a row at one point when I was playing with uh, <laughs> the year Brown left, and they were still showing up and showing out. So it's it's a different breed of fan out here. What's it take to for a young team? And I know you saw it when you played of going from a team that's kind of, you know, everybody likes because they're young, they're plucky to now having some expectations like they have this year. How does a team make that leap from 
plucky to a team with expectations successfully. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Understanding that that transition, you can't sneak up on nobody no more. You can't, people expect, they see you coming now. So it's a different preparation that you have to have. But I think the beauty of it is when you add a guy like Donovan, you know, who's been there and been in the playoffs before and have that experience, I think his mentality is one like, oh, yeah, we belong here now. We're supposed to be here. And so you kind of see the guys, I think, approach the games like that. But that's the beauty of an NBA season like this. I think we started off, then we go like on an eight-game winning streak, and then we lose like five in a row. When that happens, that's when you start to – I think the guys start to understand, like, it's a little different now. Like, the fans expect us to win. Like, we expect to win. So we got to come into the game knowing that that's, that that's what it is. And I think the guys are accepting that challenge. And I just my hat my hat continues to go off to Coach Bickerstaff, man. He the the way that he puts teaches those guys and the the words that he gives those guys to motivate them and be ready every night. He's a special coach too, and I don't, I don't know he don't I don't think he gets enough credit for the way that he's able to impose his will and his identity on the on the team, and everybody follows. Like when I look at Karis LeVert out there picking up guy guarding the other team's best player picking up guys full court if he needs to like that type of energy is is what we is what you said it's that transition of understanding like we can't sneak up on nobody we gotta we gotta bring the scrap every single night and um those guys are, are figuring it out yeah one one other guy that I wanted you to ask about uh Daniel is Kevin Love and his role on this team you know we've seen him through some of those dark days like what you've talked about you know when lost 20 in a row we've had you know rough moments like that when LeBron left again talk about his kind of career resurgence that he's having right now one of the best six men in the league by far and it's been a lot of fun to watch the pro I mean he's a pro yeah he's a, he's a professional score he's a professional on and off the floor and you need that when having such a young team and guys really not necessarily understanding how hard it is to win in the league regardless of how talented you are you have a guy like kevin who gets it who's been there like you said he's been at the top of the mountain and he's been at, at the bottom of the valley so yep. he understands what it takes and he's able to to talk to those guys and, and, and help those guys in that transition of understanding okay we were good last year, but now we're trying to get to a place where we want to win. We want to bring championships um, to Cleveland. And that's a that's a different level that you got to get to and a different mentality that you have to have coming into games. And so I think Kevin is the perfect guy for that role. Um, and, I mean, the shooting just that, – that just he's always had the ability to score the basketball. But his leadership qualities are, are ones that I feel like we, we, don't, um, we don't know enough about. He gets those guys going the same way Coach Bickerstaff does. And um, they rely, rely on him. It's good to have a guy like that coming off your bench that can steady that second unit. Daniel, what's your favorite thing about being back in Cleveland? Everything. <laughs> nah, <laughs> uh, just, just being, man, back around um, in the city. Like, when I catch an Uber now, like, most people know me by booby. So yeah. when I get in the car, it'll be like, it'll be that look like, I thought it was you, but it's just the energy and the love that I, I share with this city. That's probably the best thing for me, man. Everywhere I go, I'm reminded, kind of like you said, of that of that of that game and like where where they were when it happened. And it's just the energy that like I I'm humbled by every time I experience it. 
Another phone call. Oh, phone call. <laughs> phone call. He'll be back. You still there? Yeah, that's, yeah. My, that's my girl. She's trying to. My girl trying to get me off the phone. <laughs> We're going to get you into trouble guy. now. Nah, nah. She thought was going on. She probably thought I was done. But, um, man, it's just the love, man, that I share with that city. It's, just, it's special to me. And I, I feel it everywhere I go every day. And now being able to be a part of an organization where I can now teach the DGs and the Donovans just how special Cleveland is and, and, and the, the type of player that the city embraces and respects one that leaves it on the floor every single night. Yeah, your Anderson Varejao, your yeah. Zajuna Silgowskis, the guys that, oh, that yeah. represent and wear that Cleveland fat, Cleveland badge with honor. I'm able to pass that torch to these guys so they understand it as well. So it's, it's just beauty all around, man. That's why I say everything. I tell people all the time, I'm excited to go to Cleveland. They're like, what? What are you like? What's so happy? What's so You get it. <laughs> but I love it, man. I love the city. And yeah, like I said, I want to be a calf for life. That is awesome. Well, we will let you go because you've got phone calls, but we, we're, we are finishing up our studio downtown Cleveland for Big Play. Would love to have you in person sometime in the near future. Oh, yeah, for sure. At least then we won't get, keep getting interrupted by calls. <laughs> <laughs> Booby, you're the best, I, man. I, we appreciate I, you. I appreciate you guys just as much, man. Thank you for taking the time. All right. Thanks, Ladies and gentlemen, Booby Gibson. Coach Booby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Fantastic. Good so stuff. good to see Booby again. Good stuff. Talk about bringing the energy. You want to know my big takeaway about this? And not to bring this whole thing down. We had two How could interviews. you bring it down after that? We had two interviews, and both of this, both interviewees said the same thing. What? Bobby Carpenter with the Browns j- just said that they need someone, an old player, a Sipe, a Jim Brown, a Bernie, to yep. go in there and fire them up. Look at what the Cavs just did. Hiring Daniel Gibson, and what did he say? To teach the young DGs and Donovan Mitchells about yep. what it means to play in Cleveland. Huge. To have, you know, show them guys like Andy Verjava like Big Z that embraced Cleveland so much. Just two completely polar opposites going on in Cleveland right now. And Booby brought the energy. That was an awesome interview. Yes. Booby needs to be front of the show. Yeah. Reoccurring yeah. interview. <laughs> that was guess. fantastic. Yeah, that was good stuff. Good stuff. Really dismissed Damon Jones and Danielle Marshall, too. <laughs> Loved it. Yeah, he did. He did. And also, man, he, he sang some high, high praises about this current Cavs group right now. Yeah. And obviously, he's a part of it. But I think he is just as close to it as anyone. And he understands the specialness that's brewing right now and what J.B. Bickerstaff brings to those Cavs on a nightly basis. That was a, it was a good conversation with Booby. Heck, yeah. That was awesome. And you know, Nick, you can tell... You know, when people come on and they're they're like fake or they're kind of pressing to tell you something, yeah. <laughs> and that's not the case at all. Very genuine. He's very genuine about Cleveland. He's very genuine about this team. I mean, that's a guy who I would follow. I mean, you could tell the Canton charge is in good hands. Having him around that organization, or excuse me, the Cleveland charge now, right? Um, because yep. he, he just brings a fantastic energy, and it's just great to see somebody like that around one of our Cleveland teams and continuing to be. And he wants to be a cat for life, guys. Let's let him do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we got to make sure that that happens. (laughs) Yep, (laughs) for sure. You need people like that in the organization. Yep. All right, let's look at some big play bets. I don't know. Do we have a graphic for that? We We got to build one. I have a feeling we might have a graphic for that next week. Hold it up. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's look at some big play bets. Ohio State, let's bring it back because we've got that big game coming up just a few days 
Ohio State, Michigan, Chris, over, under what is 57. Ooh. I think the weather report for this week is going to be fairly mild. It's supposed to warm up a little bit as the week progresses down here in Columbus. So I could see the offenses getting rolling. I, I really could. So I, I'm going to go ahead and take the over in this one, gentlemen. I agree. I agree. Especially after last week. Yeah. Both teams struggled. Yeah. Yep. And and they know this is the last game of the year every year. This is the biggest game of the year every year. We've seen Michigan have some lackluster performances, but we know this Buckeyes offense is absolutely dynamite, and we know for a fact that they're going to have some tricks up their sleeves for Michigan, especially after what happened last year. Yeah, they've put up 40-plus nine times this year. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a little skewed because, you know, there's games that aren't so great. We're so spoiled. We are. Th that's what it boils down. Buckeye fan is spoiled. This is but interesting, though, because you look at Michigan – only allowed more than 17 points once. That was Maryland. Mm hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. It is interesting. I feel like the 57 is rivalry. The history of this rivalry, too, you'd think, okay, Big Ten right. rivalry game, it's going to be like locked horns. You're not going to see a lot of scoring. This rivalry has a lot of points. There's a lot yes. of points in these games, typically. I mean, even if the weather was bad, you still tend to see points. I don't know what it is about this rivalry. Even in the Big Ten, even with these two teams, traditional you know, defense, run the ball, we still put up some points. So I'd expect to see that. Both of these coaches want nothing more than to beat the other. The rivalry is here because of what Michigan did last year. And uh, I, I, I'm just excited to see what transpires on Saturday. Yeah, Chris, seven and a half points. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Yeah. Seven and a half. Score prediction. Are you taking those points? I like what Bobby said because I think he's right. I think this is one, one of those games that's going to be fairly close through about three quarters, three plus. And then all of a sudden on the back end, you're going to see a cover by Ohio State where we pick up some cheap Ooh. points toward the end. You know, maybe we get a 14 point victory, maybe it's a 10 point victory. But it's one of those that's going to be fairly close through three, and then we're just going to get that extra add-on score, the hook that's going to kill some folks who are out there betting their hard-earned do dollars. I just got to say it. I'm a font snob. Nick, G. that that font is atrocious. Helvetica. <laughs> yeah, Helvetica, throw it in the garbage more put, like. Put it back up there. Let, yeah. Let's let know what we're referencing here. Yeah, yeah. We, great font. Yeah, great font. Great font. Ooh. On brand. <laughs> off brand. Horrible. Looks horrible. Like, I knew something was off, too, and I was like, is it too big? Can you put some Courier New in there? <laughs> <laughs> and Dave just leaked the brand standards on there. <laughs> All right, 43 and a half. We're moving to the Browns. That is the over-under Tom Brady in Cleveland. I can't even bring myself to talk about the Browns, dude. We've had, right, run through we, them. We've just had one of the greatest shows that we've ever had, and now we got to talk about the freaking Browns. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Let's go back to our favorite Thanksgiving dishes, shall we? Yeah. No, no. For real, though, I, I don't know with this 43 and a half because the Browns – Offense is far from the issue. The defense is a big issue. Doesn't but, that just scream over? But on the other side of the ball, at times, Tom Brady has just not been himself. And that Buccaneers offense is so weird. They have no run game at all. Yeah. The offensive line, there is nobody stellar on it. I mean, they lost a lot of their pieces due to injury, just due to free agency and other things on that O-line. So they're, they're depleted in a lot of key spots that we saw them be really good in in prior years. So... 
I don't know. I I definitely skew towards the over though, just because of how we've, bad this we've Browns given up is. over thirty alone, over right? thirty points in four of the last six games. That's horrible. That's, that's so that's horrible. Not that's got to be the worst over it, the last six games. I think it's the worst over that time span. And it's got to be the season long. It's the, only the Lions are worse defensively than the Cleveland Browns right now. So yeah, this game does. Davis t- officially talked me into the over. I think because. Yeah, if, there, if there's a team that would let Tom Brady find its groove, probably resides at Lou Groza Drive. <laughs> Chris, what's your, your just gut feeling for this game? Pain. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm at apathy. I'm not at apathy. I'm going to watch this game. I'm going to hope we win. I'm going to hope we look better than we did the week before. But I, I don't... I, Dave, I just don't see the way forward right now until we get Watson in there and then we start to see how that team gels. I, I'm just not that excited about what I've seen defensively out of this team. The offense, the play calling, I mean, it's just been disastrous. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Tampa Bay is going to beat us. I don't think it's going to be a, um, a lopsided victory on their behalf because uh, really the reasons Nick was saying, they've been very inconsistent, and so is Tom Brady. Um, but it's, I think it's going to be like the mirror of the Ohio State game in that you're, you're going to see a close score potentially through about three quarters, and then Tampa Bay is going to win going away. Yeah, you know that's what the Browns do. They're going to score on the first drive. They're going to look really good. They they're going to look great. They might even be up two scores at some point, but then it's like, what's going to happen? And then there will be an interception or a fumble or something will happen or a failed fourth down attempt. Or our center will get hurt. And then it's like, well, we probably just lost the game. We're up 14 nothing right now, but we probably just lost the game. And that's exactly what happened on Sunday, and, and I'm with Chris. I, I really don't see a path forward. I definitely, you know, understand the vision and the belief that the Browns took this season was kind of to just punt it away, at least punt 11 games away, and just kind of hope that Jacoby could keep you alive. He did. The rest of the team failed, and that's where we sit right now. So, yeah, I don't know. Another thing, though, too, is if the Browns win this game, are we going to do the Ken Deshaun Watson run the table and get the Browns in the playoffs? Absolutely. (laughs) Yep. Of course we will. They'll bring us right back in. It's it's a sickness. It, it really it is. is. It is. Chris, over under Stefanski fourth down attempts. <laughs> I can't take any one and a half. I can't. I, I know the people I'll be on over Twitter. every time. Yeah. yeah. Go I'll over. over. I know the people on Twitter love Especially it. Especially if it's a gimme field goal, then definitely he's going for it. Back to back quarterback sneaks plus two thousand. You're taking oh, that bet. I'll take it. And then Chris, <laughs> not only that. A, a gimme field goal, but then the next day, throw your rookie kicker under the bus in your press conference and say that it was the trajectory of the kick is the reason why all of these have been blocked this year. The guy is an enigma. He really is. I I know the. It's crazy this that this one's the, on him though, Nick. This one's on him. And I don't want to dog on him because I really don't want to run another coach out of town and start this whole damn process no, anew. Not at all. But it is really frustrating as a fan and as someone that has covered three coaching changes already in my young professional career before my 24th birthday that I see the same trend happening with this guy that happens with all the coaches where they they stick to their guns. They look at that play sheet like it's a cheesecake factory menu. They refuse to make any 
adjustments. They die on their sword time and time again. It's what cost Hugh his job. It's what cost Freddie his job. And ultimately, I think this absolute obsession of going for it on fourth down is what will be Kevin Stefanski's downfall. You have a $230 million guaranteed asset in Deshaun Watson coming in. Are you yeah. going to QB sneak him with a third string center? You got to no know situation. You get there's circumstance to all of this and it's it drives me nuts. I think his yes. downfall is going to be losing the team. I, I do too. I do too. Well, I, I mean, did that kind of already happened. <laughs> but I all kinds of the bad play calls and the team can overcome that. Just individual effort can overcome and execution can overcome bad play calling. And right now, he does not have the team, so the play calling even yep. looks worse. And I that's think, I think yeah. that's where the team starts to get lost. Like, like the back-to-back failed QB sneaks. I think yeah. they looked at that and they were like, "This is cooked." Josh Allen's getting this ball back. They're marching down the field, and that's yeah. over. I, I think this team has a lot of entitled guys on it, and when bad things like that happen. They kind of throw in the towel. Bobby Carpenter was talking about it, and I think that's what we saw oh, happen. Rough. rough. It's All right, really give me rough. a little optimism to end the show. Cap's Browns, going. no, Browns player who's going to have a big game. DPJ. I, okay. DPJ is yeah, on pace, I think, for 950 receiving yards yeah. after a really slow start to yep. the season. He is a breakout candidate this year. A lot of people were on that. We know Andrew Barry, and there's a lot of critiques of him out there right now. Oh, get over it. Exactly. He's a guy that likes getting in front of these contracts. DPJ is a guy that I would look at this offseason that has played his way into a lot of money. Jacoby and DPJ have been a lot of fun to watch, and I think he's on a tear of like four or five straight games with almost 50 or 50-plus yards receiving each game. It's It's been big, and when you look at that draft class where the Browns drafted him, in the sixth round, he could be the best player. Of Jedrick Wills, Richard LeCount's already out of the league, Grant Delpit's not really any good, Tommy Togiai's probably on his last year here. Donovan Peoples-Jones was the find of that draft, and it happened in the sixth round. There we go. Chris, last one. Over, under, Nick Chubb. Well, first of all, I was going to answer that question, too. I was going to go to the opposite (laughs) side of the formation. Amari Cooper. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I I really liked what he was doing. Finally getting him involved. You know, we've talked about his route running and just how crisp it is and how he can help a quarterback out. And they were finding him a little bit on Sunday, and I love to see that. Because if you can get both of those guys as weapons, especially if you got your tight ends dropping balls like we saw, uh, and then complement it with a running game, which we did not see, then you've got something. We've got pieces there, and we really do have pieces, but it's just a matter of putting them all together. But I did like what I saw both out of DPJ and Amari Cooper on Sunday. All right, last one, Chris. Over, under, Nick Chubb. Uh, 70 yards. Oh, we got to go over. We got to go over. Got to go over. I want to give us a chance to win, and for us to have a chance to win, he's got to go over that number. I love it. Hey, Nick. I got I got one stat. You might want to bet oh, on. All right. You might want to bet on Leonard Fournette. Whatever his over under is, get the <laughs> over. <clears throat> I was Why at, is that? I was looking at the running backs we've played against lately. It seems like everybody has a career day when they play us. Like I was listening yesterday. They said Singletary. This is the best game he's played in a year and a half. Uh, and in the last seven games we've played, six of the starting running backs have had either their highest total for the whole season or their second highest total for the whole season. Really? And they've all played at least 10 games, and six out of the seven have been either their best or second best. That's a spicy little nugget right there. Playoff Lenny. Over over. (laughs) over for Lenny. All right. 
Nick, uh, take us out. Good stuff. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Big Play Reflog Show. As always, huge thanks to Shaq News. Go check them out. All the best video game content reviews, VR stuff for us, Dave, ShaqNews.com. Go get some Labatt. Go get some gear signed from your favorite Browns players, TSECleveland.com. Huge thanks to Bobby Carpenter, the Granville Gunslinger, Daniel Booby Gibson. Three awesome interviews on the pod tonight. We will see you guys right back here next week. Big Play Reflog. Peace. It's time. Streaming live from Cleveland, Ohio. Presenting the undefeated, undisputed heavyweight podcast of the world. The Big Play Reflog. Oh!